Two households, both alike in dignity, and fair Verona, where we lay our scene. From ancient grudge break to new mutiny, where civil blood makes civil hands unclean. From forth the fatal loins of these two foes, a pair of star-crossed lovers take their life, whose misadventured Pisces overthrows doth with their death bury their parents' strife. All right, you bardolators. Tis time to dust off thy starter jackets, rip off those tearaways, and blow into thy game cartridges. I'm Sean Kelly. And I'm Simon Blanfordith. And wish it was the 90s. <laughs> oh, mate. That well was done, hard. Sean. Sean yeah. was really freaking out um, before we went to air about that. And, um, but he nailed it, and he said there was one word he was freaking out about in particular about three quarters of the way through. I think it's piteous, piteous uh, overthrow. I, I, I said piteous. I think that's what you said. I think that was the only one. Shit, you nailed it. I was actually worried about um, bar dollar tours. I didn't even notice that. I don't even know if that's right or wrong. Which, but, which um, means, dear listeners, if you're a bar dollar tour, you're a Shakespeare enthusiast. Ah, there you go. It's obvious that we are doing Baz Luhrmann's 1996 Romeo plus Juliet. Mm. Um, I'll hand over to you, Simon. You're running the cutter on this one. You've put in a lot of research and effort and, and bring in a, you know, a great wealth of knowledge on all things Shakespearean. Oh, I am an English teacher. But that I wouldn't necessarily means that bring uh, that means I bring in a wealth of knowledge. But we wanted to start off with our memories today, as as we often do. Um, and for you, Bob, what does that look like? What is that? What is that? So I was um, uh, like, I I don't think I knew this film existed when it came out, or if I did, I ignored it. But then, obviously, DiCaprio blew up in everyone's world a year later with Titanic, um, but he was already known, but I wasn't until I was much older that I was able to actually watch this. And I think that's just based on the language and being young and, you know, not thinking Shakespeare's not cool. Um, but through, I think I didn't study it at high school, but I think I watched it certainly when I, you know, was studying English at university, it quite quickly became, by far my favourite uh, take on Shakespeare, on any of Shakespeare's stories. There's a couple of other ones I like as well. There's a couple of really good Macbeth performances out there, Patrick Stewart, Michael Fassbender. Um, there's that really weird 70s Roman Polanski Macbeth, um, but he's been well and truly cancelled by now. Um, but I think to take... It's kind of like what you see these days where people take a classic story and they try and do, you know, these days it's like superheroes usually, or they remake an old film. But to have a, like a red hot crack at Romeo and Juliet, probably one of, if not the most well-known Shakespearean play and produce this, it's uh, it's easy to see. I'd say most most people who had to study English would love this film, I'd, I'd hope. And that's where I am. Um... I come up with my memories, 2002, year 11, Jonathan Martin, 
it's English class. Um, learned, yeah, he taught it, and I remember really enjoying it, but not loving it until I watched it sort of in my twenties, really. Um, and I just think it's an incredible film. And, and have you have taught, taught it? it? Yeah, I've taught it. Yep, mm. I've taught it a couple of times, and the kids react to it really quite well. Like, um, they're pretty reluctant to begin with because of the language, but. You know, as soon as Leo comes into it, you mm. know, there's just so much swooning. I teach her in all girls' school, and there's just so much swooning. Um, you know, and that's just me. Mm. Um, you know, so he, he, I mean, he, he's not the only one to swoon over. Well, exactly. There's a few good-looking people in this film, but I'll, we'll save that for a little bit later. It's mm. a key question I'm going to ask you, Bob. I was just going to. I was just going to add to what you were saying. I've I've only taught it once yeah. um, but i got i taught it when i was in london um sure. so i i got to teach it to the english and um yeah i i, I revel and the thing i noticed and i think i noticed this about myself when i watched this film as well even if the language is difficult it is crafted in a way that you know what's going on you know who's who and you know who the I mean, they do a good job of making it pretty clear that Tybalt is a bad guy. Um, but, you know, it's you can follow along without having to actually understand Shakespearean language. I think that's one of the beauties of the film, for sure. Mm. So we're going to go into our uh, best scenes. Um, we've given each other three each, but there's going to be some overlap, so it won't end up being six scenes, we're guessing. So I'll let you kick off with your first. Bob, I've done mine in chronological order, but you did. You can do yours best, whatever you... you uh, and mine wanted. from my third favourite to my first favourite. Okay, um, but but fortunately, um, I can open with... So the opening scene of the film with the, um, they turn that opening chorus into a news reporter, uh, the cinematography showing us Verona all the way through until the quite comical, I didn't remember how sort of slapstick humorous the uh, gas station fight is. Um, but that just, that whole thing, you know, you get Tybalt, you get Benvolio, um, you get Benvolio's fantastic flat top. Like, it's just all a phenomenal way to start. I'm instantly interested in what's going on. Couldn't agree more, Bob. That prologue, as you mentioned, the gradual zoom on the TV. If you haven't seen that prologue, the initial one's about a minute 58. Um, the family tree. You can't help but get fired up, you know, mm. when the when the choir comes in, um, the the really the quick cut, um, it's just incredible. And I absolutely had that as my first scene to watch. And I kind of had two different scenes: the prologue and the gas station. I had them as two different scenes, but completely agree that gas station one very genre bending, like how it just randomly turns into a western almost. Mm. Well, literally, um, the, like the, it's making these western sound effects. Like it is, it is, yeah, it's like you've got to take a minute to, to actually take it all in, in a good way. And that's also when Tybalt starts speaking and the kids are like, is that Sid the Sloth? Um, peace, peace, 
I hate the word. I, I just that's such such a great line. Um, mm. So yeah, I think we're we're in lockstep there. Prologue and and or gas station, whether you want to call it one or two scenes. Absolutely. Fantastic. I was going to say as well. The other thing you get, and you mentioned the music, but you get a real good taste for Baz Luhrmann's style here. He loves an extreme close up when someone's delivering like that line you just said. Like really, like like we're talking like faces most of the screen. Um, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, sorry. Yep. Uh, so. You you said that the gas station you had because you want to go again, seeing as I've stolen two of yours. Yeah, we'll go again. Oh, you know, it's not stealing because we can just, you know, add our own two cents and as it were. The the Capulet ball for me and specifically the moment Romeo is no longer under the influence of drugs. So the, I mean that is incredible, that whole scene where they take the take the take the drugs, but the moment you see his eyes in the water open up and there's a contrast between the crazy noise, he wakes up, you know, wakes up out of his drug-induced haze, comes out of the water and you just hear the piano and it's just calm and, and quiet. And then the meeting, seeing Juliet for the first time, Paul Rudd, what a scene. Mm. I wish... Uh... I wish I'd remembered that scene at a few festies and just popped over to a few people and said, hey, mate, just go uh, splash your face in the, in the water and, and you'll be right. Instant recovery. And you'll also uh, meet Claire Danes just yeah. within a minute. Um, I'm so... I've, I'm, I'm similar. So, again, I extended it. So I guess I cheated a little bit, but I'd probably say, so I love the, the, the first meeting of Romeo and Juliet, but I would say my favorite scene in the whole film is Mercutio's drag performance. So that, and, but just, so I had just from, cause that's just prior when they, <laughs> when they take the pills and head to the party. So that just the first time you meet Mercutio through to that performance of Young Hearts is just like the, I'm like this is mint this I did not see this coming and you see um, you know Juliet's dad is dressed up as like Caesar or whatever and you know um, obviously Mercutio's in drag Romeo's uh, like a knight and she's an angel and it's the devil like it's all just you know it's on the nose but it's not offensive it's a, it's a good way is the uh, astronaut Paul Rudd as Paris is the astronaut the complete space cadet that he is um, that's like the scene that obviously the kids obviously completely swoon over Romeo but they genuinely laugh at Paul Rudd's performance there when he's dancing with Juliet doing that ridiculous dance he says oh, uh, but the part where he looks back at her as well yes. I'm sure that's a meme now <laughs> Oh, it's brilliant. And he says that one line that he, del it's Shakespeare's line, but he delivers it so well. Like, because she's kind of been running away from him pretty much. And he says to her when she's first sees him, Will you now deny to dance? As if, like, the sight of him, like, he's so handsome, she could, couldn't possibly deny to dance with him. And yeah, Paul Rudd, he's getting a lot of, uh, a lot of run on the Wish with, with 90s podcast in the last two weeks, but deservedly mm. so. Yeah, and he's, um, I always forget he's in it, and then I see him, I'm like, oh, yes. <laughs> kind of wish he has had more to do. Yeah, 
Um, yeah, he's, he's underutilized, really. Um, and I'll just, one more thing about that scene. Oh, yeah. Tybalt and the aforementioned Cat Pilot and that kind of Caesarish um, outfit, they have that massive argument when Tybalt says, oh, you know, mm. there's, there's a Montague here. And Cat Pilot just puts him in his place. You know, he's like, he slaps him. He slaps him. Tybalt says, I'll not endure him. He shall be endured. And then just slaps him. It's just. Like, I'm the boss here. It's a great line, great performance. Um, so that's all I've got for that scene, Bob. Have you got anything else from that scene? And if you don't, what's your next scene? Yeah, I'll, go, I'll go to my next scene. Uh, and it's not even a scene. It's just I, um, it's just this one moment after um, uh, Romeo goes to see Father Lawrence and, and he's you know, agrees to, 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 to go through with the wedding. Mm. And... Um, and the way Father Lawrence delivers the line almost to the camera where he goes, holy St. Francis. <laughs> I'm sure there wasn't a pause originally in the text, but he just, he, it's, it's, I felt like he was saying it to the camera. It's so good. He's a great character too. I, I like uh, he, a priest and a, what, a botanist? He, he definitely is slash was in my consideration for a supporting actor. And I won't reveal whether I picked him or not, but on the strength of that line alone, almost he's worth it, but he is a really good, good character. And he just warns them. All he does is basically warn them right. The whole movie, like don't do it, man, don't do it, mm. don't do it. But you know, you can't tell two young people in love to not do it. Um, yep. I have one. I mean, look, you could mention many more, but I, you know, mm. I've, I've got to stick to my three and, you, you can't, I can't risk not mentioning the, the uh, spoiler alert, the, the, the death scene. Um, I actually did have that down. I accidentally skipped over it because I had Holy St. Francis in caps. Um, <laughs> and, and we'll come back to that when we do some Tracy trivia, the, that last scene. But just, and I think this is a credit to DiCaprio, his delivery throughout the film, like everyone performing at, hundred percent it's incredible but that speech he gives to her when he when uh he thinks she's dead i'm like i've seen this movie i know this this is this is literally the story that's as old as time and i'm still like welling up on the couch charlotte's like you were right i'm like (laughs) (laughs) you i still like every time i watch it i'm still like yeah, I think she's going to wake up in time. I, I really do. And that's testament to, yeah, DiCaprio, but also Lerman, the, the different cuts and how slow that is. You know, every, you know, that it's just heartbreaking as he's bringing it to his lips, the poison and, sh- you know, the eyes open and the look goes back to the, you know, the cuts. He is the master of those, those cuts at the exact right time, isn't he? Yeah. Yeah. I, like, there isn't, there isn't a style to compare to this it is incredibly unique and effective and i'm sure people have tried to but it is like every scene has incredible cuts pulled together and this you i mean it's interesting because you know two english teachers here we better be careful but um you would obviously we use this as a teaching tool to help kids to understand the play when you're teaching Shakespeare as a written text. Mm. But 
you could easily do this film for film study for your film I did. study. I did. Oh, you did. Oh, yep. that's phenomenal. I did. Yep, and you did, you can easily. It's um, it's it goes down well. Yeah, mm-hmm. it really does. Um, all right. Well, we'll move on to my first question of the day before we hit the soundtrack. And um, my question for you, Bob, mm. is. 1996, Leonardo DiCaprio, the best-looking person of all time? The answer to that is absolutely yes. Like, it's it's better than Titanic, right? It's um, the way... so Because the, the, there's an overall look for everyone in this thing, and it's it's this really quite cool sort of like dirty, hot, sweaty. Um, people are always wet. The amount of times he falls skinny, in that pool. Pretty skinny. Yeah. Not, not much gym work going on. No, but he always looks like... He, he fits in with however he's supposed to look in the scene, but he always looks great. Yeah, I mean, I, I had two others in the 90s. I had um, Catherine Zeta-Jones and Darling Buds of May vying oh, yeah. for, for the best-looking person of all time and um, a bit more of a random one, but a niche one, Vanessa Williams, who played Calypso in The Odyssey, um, as well right up there. But I think Leo takes the cake um, mm. for me. Um, yeah. Good, yeah, good, good. We're, we're in lockstep there. Um, the soundtrack... Uh, moving on to that, this was kind of I amount. Mean, you probably know a little bit more about this, Bob, having done a bit of Tracy trivia, which mm. we'll get into later. But one of the sort of interesting things about this movie at the time was it was a very modern movie as far as the setting is concerned and as far as the soundtrack is concerned with the Shakespearean English. So I wasn't planning on asking this question, but do you think that with regards to the soundtrack, Sean, do you think... It was a good call to keep that soundtrack model. Absolutely. And I think you can see this in future films used pretty well as well. Even time set films to have a model, you know, like, I mean, it's, it's nowhere near Romeo and Juliet as a film, but in A Knight's Tale, they've got, you know, it's set in whatever, you know, Coarser times, medieval times, and you've got um, you know David Bowie and Queen and um, mm. and it and it just like I don't know it probably brings in people as well you know because they know they recognise it but this is this is slightly different and as you pointed out like these like if you look at the soundtrack these are all bands that are popular at the time um, you know like Garbage's song for this was a smash hit. Um, you've got Everclear, you've got the Cardigans, you've got like Radiohead do the credit song. Like it's like phenomenal. Who's who? Mm. Two two standouts for me. Mm-hmm. Kissing you again. That scene, mm-hmm. uh, the the Capulet ball for me. That piano coming on. That's always been an absolute favourite for me. Yeah. That's fair. Obviously, I'm a sucker for uh, Young Hearts Run Free. Yes, absolute um, banger. But absolute yeah, banger. Um, the um, 
Interesting. I was going to pop it in my Tracy trivia, but uh, apparently uh, Lerman sent the last five minutes of the film to Radiohead and said, can you write a song for the credits? Um, and then when they sent it to him, he went on record on saying, this is the greatest credit song ever written. I also didn't know that Baz Luhrmann was Australian until I was reading about this film. His, uh, his films have just so many Aussies in them. He did The Great Gatsby in 2013, and there's just so many Aussies for no reason in that movie. Um, but that's another uh, another topic for mm. a 2010s podcast. Um, another question, Bob, for you. Mm. We uh, Before we move on to the next topic... The wedding scene, it starts off a very much a high angle shot with like, you know, where the organ is in church and you've got the, the kids choir and you've got the lead singing Everybody's Free. I mean, has anybody ever had a better voice than the kid who sings Everybody's Free? That is, an, that is unbelievable, that performance. Also... Just adding to that, didn't know that the full title for Everybody's Free is Everybody's Free to Wear Sunscreen. Because it came out, remember it came out in like the late 90s, it was Baz Luhrmann was like the person talking, Mm. and he was just giving that random advice. That's right, yeah, yeah. And that's where that part comes from, but the the initial song that that kid sings, my God, Mariah Carey on acid, that kid. Yeah. Yeah. Unbelievable. Um, I'm assuming that kid's name is Quindon uh, Quindon Tava, um, because gets the credit here on on. I hate to admit it, but I'm on Wikipedia for the for the soundtrack. Yeah, Quindon Tava, what a what a performance he gives. Um, mm. Look that up. Look up uh, Romeo and Juliet wedding scene, and it's it's the first shot you see is that kid, and wow, what a performance. Mm. Um, I got I got some overall thoughts. Bob, I want to get to, mm. um, but I just wanted to tell you what the IMDb rating of Romeo and Juliet is. It's a six point seven out of ten. What's your initial reaction to that? Flabbergasted. Mm. Does IMDb is that user rated? Because I know, oh, I know, because I know Manos is weighted, but I think yeah, IMDb but, is mainly user. Well, because Rotten Tomatoes has the critics meter and yeah. the and the yep. you know the plebs meter. Um, I just don't like. My only guess is that people don't like it because it's Shakespeare. Like, I just can't work. Like this, we've done some. We've done some really good films. We've also maybe deliberately done some interesting films for this podcast but this is like probably my favorite film we've done so far i think so too i mean obviously i love the castle the castle was the one that popped in my mind but but there's a yeah there's a film that's absolutely my favorite and i didn't even re-watch the entire film in preparation for this because i've taught it and i know Mm. it so well but just re-watching some of those scenes all i kept saying to my head in my head was just my god this is an amazing movie and it's and it's everything as well you know like you watch the castle and it's a great film because it's funny it's got heart it's a good story 
when you watch this, I'm going like, fuck, that looks cool. Oh my God, that sounds amazing. Oh my God, what, you know, that close up of, you know, they've named their guns swords to link to, you know, like everything that happens. I'm just like, oh, that's so, like, everything has so much thought into it to make it perfect. And it all works. And it's the kind of like, I could, it's the kind of film that if it was on, I could sit there and watch no matter what, even though it's, it's weighty, it's heavy, it's hard to follow along the language at points. So it's all the things that you would think you've got to actually, you know, like it's like Shawshank, you've got to sit down and be ready for this, but it's not for some reason you can just dive in and go like it's a breeze because yep. it's so well put together. Yeah, I I'm I think like the thing that was that rating sort of led to me was sort of my my thoughts were like I just can't believe this didn't win more awards. Yeah, I wonder if it was sort of looked at as like blasphemy almost to paint Shakespeare in that modern light. Mm. Um, because you're right, I, I don't know. Like, I'm just making that up. I have no idea why it's that low. You mentioned before we started that perhaps because we are kind of nerds and we are English teachers that we are biased. Mm. Um, so that could be something that we ask our audience is, are you and I overrating it because we love Shakespeare? Yeah. And actually, is it unless you're actually studying it, and, and if you just watch it for half an hour or an hour, you dip in, you dip out, is it maybe just that too hard to follow? Because you're right, I, I cannot think of another reason that that would be that low, because it is just, uh, you, yeah, you summed it up brilliantly, it's got everything uh, and every mm. facet. So. It's a, it, is a, it is a really interesting thing, because we did, um, like, I mean, I studied Shakespeare at uni, I went to the Globe Theatre when I lived in London. Like, I'm not, I'm not like a super Shakespeare nut, but I appreciate it. And I also like, as a, from a teaching perspective, still see the value. I know heaps of people are like, why are we learning this? And it's like, well, actually, if you're clever enough to read something that doesn't really make sense to you and make sense of it, that's actually, you're unlocking stuff in your head, tools. So like, I'm, I'm definitely biased. But I also just think it's great. But then, like, um, we talked about um, Serpent, who loves this film. He studied English at uni. I studied with him. Um, you're saying Zara's a big fan, eh? Is that right? Yeah, and again, studied studied English at, at uni. So mm. uh, maybe we're answering our own question here, but it would be interesting to hear from people who, yeah. uh, who aren't English nuts. Who... Oh, and Sam, who didn't study English at uni, didn't want to do this episode. Good point. Yeah, and Pat also. So, yeah, maybe we've answered our own question, but it would be good to hear from a, mm. a wider variety than just those two. Um, before, we, before we sign off, we do need to get to our uh, Best Supporting Actor and MVP, which, mm -hmm. I mean, almost quite literally Best Supporting Actor in this case. Bob, what, what do you want to do first, mate? Best Supporting or MVP? I guess let's go Supporting. Uh -huh. I mean, these are the awards that these these actors should have got at the Oscars. So, <laughs> um, supporting's hard. I'm, I mean, I know we get to pick one each, but I'm quite happy to sort of spitball it with you um, because I, I've probably got 
I'm probably torn between two with maybe a couple of honourable mentions. So honourable mentions, um, the nurse. Mm-hmm. Maria Margoyles Mar- or whatever her name is, yep. Yep, Father Lawrence, um, Benvolio, uh, probably those three as honourable mentions. But I'm really torn for supporting actor between, I mean, uh, Tybalt and Mercutio. Cool. I just think. Whoever tight. Yeah, well, when Mercutio comes in, he steals the show. He, he, like, I cannot take my eyes off him every time he's in a scene. He is... He, he stands out against everyone else in just the most incredible way. But on the flip side of that, Tybalt is, he's obviously a bad guy and, and you know, he's, he's portrayed and such, but the way he delivers his lines that initially you're like, he's kind of, is, is he taking the piss? Like, but it's, but it's so effective that it works, even though it seems like it's, it is over the top or whatever. I don't know. It's just, he's, he's, he's bloody great. And when he gets fired up and they're going, he's going at anyone, he right. goes hard, you know, like, I'm not saying like he wins his arguments or his fights or whatever, but like his performance when he's, you know, shouting his lines and stuff like that, they're just like, he, he's really sending it. I had um, the nurse. As- you had the nurse. I had the nurse, I had Tybalt, and I had Mercutio. Um, I was going to go with the nurse, but the yeah, it's, you've mentioned a few things about Mercutio there that, that has tipped me over the edge to to vote for him. I mean, he delivers two of the great great lines of the play. The you know, a plague on both your houses, 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 which is like before he dies, um, um, unbelievable. And um, you know, when Romeo asks him how he is after Tybalt's stabs him you know, a scratch a scratch you know surely it, the hurt cannot be much he says uh, i think i think i'm getting this right he says ask of me tomorrow and you shall find me a grave man which yes. uh, i always always love that line so i think i'm gonna go with just gonna go with mercutio there uh, had the nurse because she is delightfully and charmingly meddling um, Juliet, Juliet. <laughs> yeah she's great yeah so, yeah, I will relu- not reluctantly because he's great, but I don't want to not pick the nurse, but I'll go with Mercutio, who um, miraculously came back to life and played Michael on Lost um, several years later. So it was great to see him alive and well as, as Michael on Lost. Um, he's also he- um, Link in one of the Matrix movies. Oh, God, what, a, what an actor he is. Mm. Um, MVP. Hey- yeah, Yours, so I'll say I'll say Mercutio is just an overall winner for us. I'm happy with that. So my MVP is Leo. Um, this is like uh, this, this is one of the many roles he could have got an Oscar for. Like this is just like to come. Uh, like he's still young, right? I know he's a little bit older than Claire Danes, but I think I think he's only like twenty-two or something like that, and he is just absolutely throughout the entire movie perfect yeah yeah i mean i don't think yeah i I completely agree i don't think looking at him in this movie there's you know if you think who would you rather be in life at any point who would you pick it'd be like michael jordan in the 90s dicaprio at this point right now you know um 
He's an, he does an amazing performance. Um, and he looks so good and, and acts so well in this movie that I'm no longer embarrassed that I once went to the hairdresser and asked for a Leonardo DiCaprio haircut. Um, used to be a source of great shame and embarrassment. And that, when I was watching this before, I was like, no, you shouldn't be ashamed. That, that, mm. you know, that's a very reasonable thing for a 10-year-old to ask for. Yeah, 100%. 100%. Um, so no, I completely agree with you there, Sean. Um, and I'm glad we're in lockstep on that one. Um, I've, got, I've got some uh, I've got some trivia for you if you want. Tracy, trivia. Let's hear the trivia. I've got a few points here that I thought were particularly interesting. Key here, stylist, who you'd probably like to meet, Aldo Signoretti was kidnapped by gang members and held for $300 ransom, which Baz Luhrmann paid. That can't be real. I can't believe that. Oh, my God. That's amazing. We mentioned um, DiCaprio's version of Romeo's speech um, when he thinks Juliet's dead, Um, and apparently it was so good that Claire Danes, who was supposed to be, you know, not moving, um started crying and as soon as Lerman yelled cut Dane smacked DiCaprio on the arm and said don't make me cry I'm supposed to be comatosed here (laughs) Um, the film runs for exactly two hours in line with the prologue which states is now the two hours traffic of our stage wow I never knew that and Mm. that seems you know quite important as well hmm um, the highest grossing live action William Shakespeare adaptation. Right, as it should be. Yeah. And finally, um, and people might know this one because I think I saw this on, a, on an episode of Graham Norton, but on, um, on Paul Rudd's last day of the shoot, uh, he and Leo were on their way to a bar to celebrate when Leo casually mentioned that he'd been considered for the lead in a studio film called Titanic. Being an expert on the uh, on the great ship's history, thanks to um, Paul Rudd's father being a Titanic enthusiast, he uh, he told Leo that he should take the job. Ah, that is gold, Jerry. That is gold trivia. Um, oh, there's one other one. So DiCaprio yeah. fought for Claire Danes to win the role of Juliet after she impressed him with her line delivery and the fact that she was the only actress that looked him straight in the eye. Wow. And she was seventeen, and he was definitely right to um to push for Claire Danes because oh, she's she's phenomenal. You know, I feel like a bit sexist not mentioning her enough, but she's absolutely brilliant in the movie, and they're just so believable as a couple. Um, yeah, um, it's like it's she. Because I I saw a list of actresses who missed out: um, Natalie Portman, Jennifer Love Hewitt, a few others um, who all could have been great, but. She personifies, she, somehow she just looks and performs exactly as I think Julie. I don't know if this is because I've seen this movie and now I just picture her whenever I think of it, but it's just, it's inseparable, the two of them. Yeah, agreed. Completely agree with that. Um, and if you do, that sort of got me on this other tangent. I was on IMDb, the Romeo and Juliet page, and we're a 90s podcast. If you want to see some 90s images, have a look at the red carpet from the 996 Romeo and Juliet premiere. There are some absolute doozies. That's awesome. And, um, and on that note, 
Um, like to thank Bob for his Tracy trivia there. Some absolute nuggets at the end there. And I uh, hope you guys enjoyed it. Thanks very much. See you next time, listeners. <laughs> <laughs>